0: Listening to The New Paris. One of the earliest travel aficionados I met in Paris was Anne Dittmeyer. That was over a decade ago. Her design work, her blog aptly called Prête à Voyager, and her leisure time all revolved and still revolve around travel and the way it expands our minds and teaches us about other cultures and ways of life. As a longtime Paris resident, she has applied that travel experience to exposing visitors to the best of her home. To talk about her work, tourism in Paris, and immersive experiences, I'm joined by Anne Didmeyer. I'm so happy
1: to be Welcome. here. <laughs>
0: um, so this is kind of an unusual time for people who like and uh, love traveling. It is. <laughs> um, we are in the midst of COVID-19 um, Tonight. By the time this comes out, we'll know what Paris is going to have to do. But uh, Macron is speaking to the nation tonight. So we'll know whether we're following in Italy's footsteps or not. Um, but like, what does that make you feel like as someone who's, you know, you just got back from Vietnam. You were traveling. Like, wh- is this like? Does this give you
1: cabin fever? Um, no, I have uh, <laughs> I feel grateful that I was able to go on my trip. And I think it's a reminder to when we want to do things and travel to do it when we have the opportunity instead of waiting for the rest of our life or retirement to travel. So I'm very fortunate that I was able to travel. I don't mind that I have to stay put right now. I'm also fortunate that I don't have anything going on or a book tour like you that was coming up. Well, um, it's
0: still it still will happen. It just can't happen right when the book comes out. Yeah. Um, but
1: people should still buy it now because it supports the authors. Thank <laughs> you so
0: much for that. Yeah, no, it's uh, April 21st is still the release date, but I'm going to go in June, I think, to the US and I'll do stuff here, assuming we're allowed <laughs> to leave the house and people are going to come out. But uh,
1: no, I mean, hopefully people will have Time to armchair travel. Yeah, no, it's perfect for vicarious travel, and books are the original way that people traveled before they could afford to, before travel became so accessible and universal. Um, So I think we can all kind of, like, return to ourselves and, you know, pick up some hobbies and enjoy quality time with people near us or keep a little distance (laughs) or semi near us far enough away
0: um through Skype or Zoom or whatever Whatever. technology yeah this is true this is a, a time to explore those technologies um but but you you know this is your your love for travel I mean I didn't become very interested in travel until sort of later in life but this was something that was fostered in you from a very young age from what I I gather. um, Where did that all
1: begin? Yeah. I mean, it's in my DNA. So uh, my parents both are well-traveled, but they got married later in life. So their priority was kind of seeing the world and having experiences. My mom studied abroad in Vienna. She took a ship across the ocean, to give you a sense of time, um, in the early 60s. Um, And she had worked in Geneva. She traveled around the world herself in a time when... That wasn't really common, and my grandfather was very much encouraging of that. Um, And my father had worked for World Bank, so he was being sent around the world to work on projects uh, a lot related to the railroad. So it was just something that I didn't know there was any other way. I remember I was living in Boise, Idaho in middle school in Meadow Girl who'd never been on an airplane, and I was on an airplane by the time I was six months. Um, Wow. So... um, before I saw the world, I saw the US. I grew, was born in Virginia and grew up in Minnesota, Kansas, Idaho, back to Virginia and spent some time in Baltimore. So I've seen 46 of 50 states. We went places for spring break every year, been to random places like the Corn Palace and Waldrug, the largest drugstore in the world. What? I gave my parents a lot of crap as a kid and it's like, oh. and we rode the train. I'm like, Dad, this isn't cool. And now everything my parents mm. kind of forced us to, I really right, love. love. And it really shaped you know, me and just having experiences and seeing how other people live. And um, it's one thing to see it in a movie or on TV or read about it, but then to experience it yourself. I'd studied art history and it's one thing to see it on a slide in a classroom and then to see it in reality. So, but your dad also, um, is often called upon as an expert on train travel, right? Yeah. So his life work is in um, PTC, positive train control, which is technology he was promoting 30 years ago um, using GPS technology that would prevent the majority of train collisions that there are today. Um, and so every time there's an accident, MSNBC, NPR, um, call him. So oh um, trains are his life work and he's retired now, but, you know, still still very much a proponent of it. So my mom used to joke that, like, he picked a career without... Um, like quick returns, So it's a long <laughs> game. So a nice reminder to everybody, um, you know, if you have a dream, don't worry if it doesn't happen right away. It's, you know, the it's whole world doesn't game. work like Instagram. It's not instant. It's a long game and stick to your Instagram fashions. doesn't even work like Insta. No. Instant. No. It's um, all curated. <laughs> it's crafted. But so your dad has then been to France and
0: experienced the train travel here. You took the train in Vietnam, I saw. Oh, that was an adventure. There's an 18 hour train
1: ride there. <laughs> Would you recommend it? Um, if you don't, have standards for bathrooms? Yeah, no. 18 hours is a bit long. It was amazing to have this experience, um, you know, traveling with locals, putting yourself outside of yourself, um, and, you know, just seeing another place. As my dad said, it's one thing. You can take the train one way, but sometimes he doesn't need to take it both ways. <laughs>
0: right. That's a very politically
1: correct way. Like, just, just a nice... A nice way of handling that. that yeah, question. but it's it's different experiences, and I mean, another thing you said is that every politician should take the train across the country because that's where you go through small towns, highways. You just you know you, see, you, you, you see. bypass everything. So, train travel is what initially connected everybody
0: so you 've obviously spent time abroad. Uh, yes. you mentioned that you mentioned that your mom studied abroad, but you yes. also studied abroad like me and i 'm wondering because you studied in France mm-hmm. uh, was that the experience that drove you to come back as an adult? Um, I mean, do you attribute that as
1: sort of like the the catalyst for everything you 've done since Yeah, I mean so my first time overseas was my junior year in high school. We came to France and London for ten days. And I think I fell in love with France because we stayed with family friends um, who have been friends of my parents since before I was born. And Charles had worked with my dad at World Bank. And we stayed at their house. And it wasn't even some quintessential like Ousmanian apartment. But I just thought it was so cool. I remember the wine glasses with French words etched on them. They were from the Louvre. And so that moment. But then I studied abroad the fall of 2001. Um, I arrived two days before 9-11. So Mm. that was a whole other experience. But a good reminder that crazy things have been happening throughout our lifetimes. We're just in an extra crazy period right now. Um, But I did a program called Wells College Program for the Arts, which unfortunately doesn't exist. And it was extra magical because my courses were in my professor's homes and in their artist studios. Oh, my gosh. So we'd have tea and cookies in my professor's home, look at slides in her living room, and then go (laughs) out into the world and see art. So I had an impressionism course with her and um, French gardens. So we went to all sorts of places off the beaten track. Um, Philippe Vermez was my photography teacher. I'm still friends with him to this day. Our first photography shoot was at Père Lachaise Cemetery. And I was like, this is just a magical place. And I always encourage people to go to the cemetery. Um, (laughs) And so it was just not typical at all. And then the other thing that really hooked me was that year... Um, was that fall was when the movie Amelie came out. And up until that point, I had seen really bizarre French movies that I did not understand. Um, <laughs> my French teacher in high school, like I would, I needed a lot of extra credit cause she was not the best teacher, but Amelie was this quirky, charming, fun movie. Um, and so I think that really stuck with me. And that was
0: a, one of the forces that got you here. Yes. Um, and while you've been here, you've continued to travel. I mean, you've, as you've mentioned, you've traveled quite extensively in the U.S. and you've traveled through France, you know, day trips here and there to, to discover, you know, quirky things all over the country. Um, and so you've seen over tourism firsthand. You know, not everybody has. I've, I've been to Amsterdam. I've seen that evolve yes. in the, over the years. I've not been to Venice, but at this point I kind of feel like I... It's not high on my list because I don't want to add to the problem. Yeah. Um, do you think authorities in Paris do enough to combat um, or at least mitigate the consequences of over-tourism? Because this is the number two most visited city in the world after Bangkok, if you can believe it. I did not know that. Yeah, it's kind of strange.
1: Um. <laughs> Yeah, I wrote a piece on my blog last year, last summer, about over because walking in my neighborhood, I live in Mamacht, um, There were just hordes of people moving in mass, like groups of robots or lemmings, and a lot of them are bus tours coming off and big group tours. And so I think for a lot of people, t- going to a new place or a foreign country, especially when you don't speak the language, is intimidating. Um, but I think we've kind of lost a little bit of the sense of adventure of seeing places, but. Paris is a small city, and so sidewalks and streets are not designed for it. And so you just see these groups going around, and they're not engaging with the city or the people, and they're not necessarily supporting local businesses. So I definitely struggle a lot with it. And I do remember that Paris had announced maybe limiting tour buses, which in terms of accessibility or older people or less mobile, like we need some these aspects of tourism, they're Mm -hmm. not all bad. Um, And again, like so many of us are privileged to be able to travel and see places. For me, it goes beyond just the issue of tourism, but cities as a whole. Mm. There's so much investment and money getting thrown into cool startups and things like that. But I think we need to think about how some of these older established mom and pop style businesses can stick around. So... You know, it's all reflected in the city more and more throughout Paris. It's just chain stores, yeah. big box, and it's nice and convenient. But we have to think about if we want our cities to survive, how can we continue to nurture this local spirit? Paris is incredible for the specialty stores that like only sell one thing, like the right. store that sells honey, the store <laughs> that sells jam, you know. In Herbs addition. and spices. And yeah, yeah, it's true. They're very good at that. So I think that... Yeah, there's a lot of conversations we're not having in cities. And I kind of think the coronavirus is a wake up call to to everybody beyond just like health things about what are our priorities in life and cities and then supporting these local businesses. Um, And it's something that I think we're going to have to be super conscientious of. It's super easy to go straight to, oh, I'm going to order it from Amazon, have it delivered right now. But like, do we want our neighbors <laughs> right. to, to still be in existence? Well, there's that. And
0: then even if you look at uh, in in the hotel industry, how they've been struggling against Airbnb and Airbnb, honestly, I mean, Paris is its biggest market in terms of listings in the world. And a lot of it is, you know, like f- professional companies operating, you know, a series of apartments. And so it's normal that the mayor has made this sort of, you know, her target.
1: And I totally agree because... I mean, finding an apartment is living hell in Paris, yeah. and if you're freelance and foreign, it's the the kiss of death. So, but it's really hard for French people to find an apartment too. Years ago, I heard a stat that there are more people like in Airbnbs and rentals in the Marais than people who live there. I mean, I, mean, I that's don't have terrifying. verification, right, right. but it's true. So again, then in the Marais you have you know Versace and Da and Gucci that are there. So it's changing the dynamic of the city. You know, sometimes change is necessary, but I think Airbnb, we have to you know. Think about paying taxes and giving back to the local and supporting that Airbnb experiences um, are something that I kind of saw affect parts of my business. Airbnb experiences are great because it's having experiences with a local, but at the same time, they reward lower price points, Yes, and they take a large percentage. Yep. So again, if we're talking about long-term sustainability, people, a business, gig economy, yes, it's great to be able to have odd jobs, I choose to have a portfolio career where I have different income streams. But for everybody, it's not necessarily the natural fit or what they're intentionally trying to do. So we need to think about how we can really support these cities long term. And it's
0: also about remembering that if you are willing to buy to, you know, to pay for someone's time and expertise at a low price, what does that do to, you know, the the quality that you're going to get? I mean, not, you know, you and I can't offer uh, walks and, and, and knowledge for pennies. Like you
1: just can't. Yeah. I mean, taxes are high here. I mean, it's great. We have healthcare there. There are lots of benefits and the city does offer so many great things, but, um, it's about thinking critically and it's, I mean, it's great for tourists who come, they're free walking tours and stuff. And it's great. But again, the big groups and not contributing and it's by donation, but we have to think about everybody needs to make a living and, and I got, it's a business. I, and
0: I have to, I have to say that I, you know, I've met enough of these guides who have, you know, they start off doing the free walking tours and then they launch their own businesses, uh, tour businesses or, or other. And, and what comes up every time is how sort of narrow the storytelling is also on those free tours. So you're getting a very limited view of the city's history. That's not necessarily
1: always the most accurate. I want to say, anyway, there, there are like a whole number of reasons to Be careful. It depends. I mean, I always like to think of tourism more as an exchange and conversation and asking questions. Um, When my dad and I were just in Vietnam... We had literally the worst tour guide who would give us 45-minute soliloquies, who thought he was trying to share everything, but it was too much. Um, And so for me, it really made it apparent that what I want are these exchanges. I don't want cookie-cutter experiences. I want this dynamic and exchange, and I love the random questions people ask because it challenges me Mm. um, and pushes me in different ways, so... I mean, personally, I like working with a, s- a smaller group. Yeah, of course. Even, I mean, walking four people on a Paris sidewalk can be quite challenging. Yeah, it's already a lot. <laughs> you know, like if you're not from Paris, you know. So Paris, I feel like, is affected even more just because it's a small, big city. You can walk across this whole city. Unlike New York, it's much harder. Oh, or-, or London, forget it. Yes.
0: So, in an ideal world, though, what would you like to see implemented? If you could, if you could pick uh, some, you know, one or two things
1: that could help alleviate some of this. Um, that's, it's, that's such a hard question. And I do think a lot of it has to come from like self-reflection mm-hmm. and thinking about um, what we want and how we can better support our local. locals and when we travel um, and what we want to kind of be a part of. I mean, the city of Paris does a beautiful job with local events. The Paris.fr and Que Faire Paris. It's very local. It's diversified in terms of events everywhere. The irony is social media has pushed things. And when things get popular, right. they, they, they go viral fast. I mean... We need to spread the word and stuff like that. So I always encourage people to kind of travel according to their own interests, but also be open to having new experiences. Just so, you know, just because something's cool doesn't mean it's the coolest thing for you. But I like to have people geek out.
0: (laughs) Well, Well, you saw also how, you know, the Leonardo da Vinci exhibit at the Louvre. I mean, tickets were sold out in you know half a day and that and that's great, but <clears throat> you know, what does that do to the user experience in the Louvre, which is already a you know oh, a high density it
1: It's so crowded, and so that's my biggest complaint is that you know spaces are so full that it's overwhelming, so I won't have certain And it's not enjoyable. Right. I mean, years ago at the Grand Palais, there was Edward Hopper, Mm -hmm. and it was such a popular exhibition. They went nocturne, which was like 24 hours. So my friends and I went at like 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning, and it was so cool. And when I was an undergraduate, I studied art history and anthropology. And when I said I would study art history in the U.S., everybody would be like, what are you going to do, be a teacher? And then in France, everybody was like, oh, you studied art history? That's wonderful. <laughs> and so just seeing the way this embracing of culture. But Paris is not a 24-hour city at all, but it was really fun. Well, it's it, unique when they do that. Yes, but when you can have the museum. So, you know, maybe, yeah, encourage some more in the middle of the, the activities. Of- I don't know. Like, it, no, it, I, it, it, it's hard. There are a lot of constraints on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not an easy question. I don't.
0: I wouldn't expect any of us to have the the ultimate solution. Um, you you have given tours. You do consulting. Uh, you have uh, a business called Navigate Paris, um, and you're you've been guiding people to have sort of more immersive and better experiences in Paris, um, and certainly take them to less frequented parts of town and expose them to you know the creators and designers who are, are shaping the city. How? You know, how do you build these itineraries and and what are you hoping to get across to the people that come to you?
1: Yeah. So I think so much of tourism, it's like you come to Paris and I'm going to tell you everything to know about Paris. So I use like my design background, design thinking and user experience to kind of ask questions to help frame how we can look at the experience. So hopefully it's not only just unique to Paris, but unique to them. And so I always meet them where they're staying and, and go from there. Um, Just to, you know, I know all the like really scenic and picturesque streets, but to try to, you know, use their interests—whether it's a florist who's interested in ribbon shops, or you know, a guy interested in comic books—and to kind of head to that destination, and then in between can fill in the places, um, and. The fun thing about having given tours over the past like eight plus years is, you know, being a regular and then the shop owners, you kind of befriend them. Or I love tagging shops and creators on social media just to celebrate them and pay it forward and, you know, increase their exposure. But, um, you know, I can walk into Papier Tigre and if Maxime's there, he's always happy to come out and talk about the brand. Um, So it's really fun to have that connection. For sure. Beyond. And You know, growing up, I don't think I ever had that experience. And so be able to have access. um, And then, yes, you can go visit any of these shops or or places on your own, but I can tell stories about the products or the collaborations or different things. Um, And so along the way, walk and talk and, you know, questions come up, um, inevitably run into somebody I know along the way because Paris is a village. It is. Um, But... Yeah, I like the idea that like no two tours are the same. A lot of the same ideas come up, but I like to point out mundane things or show the USB, USB charging ports in the bus stops. Yeah, it's true. People It's are, a highlight. I mean, I always forget about that standing there. You just have to still be vigilant.
0: You know? You're know, like, you still standing there with your phone out, but if you're... No, you but know. these
1: little design things. So I like to look at the s- design of the city overall, because I think Paris with the social public works, from the Le- Veilib to the Autolib, Um you know, has some really interesting things they've implemented. And that's where a lot of that entrepreneurial spirit comes in here. And you really go all over, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, the more somebody wants to go off the beat in the track, the The better. better. And the nice thing is that you know, Paris is small and you can see the monuments from different places. So I'm like, oh, look up here or here. What do you see? So it can kind of become more like a game and playfulness. And then I'm, of course, always looking for invaders along the way. And oh, yes. The
0: invaders. I have several friends, and my own husband is very inter- into yeah. finding. Do you want to, for people who don't know, do you want to explain what sure. that is? Sure.
1: Invader is a French street artist who's been invading the world since the late 90s. And so there are these tile installations that look like the Invader video game. Um, And he's French, so they started here. And he originally had these beautiful volumes of books um, where they're carefully documented. In the back, there's a map. And then five or six years ago, introduced the Flash Invader app, which is GPS geolocated. With the invaders, you get 100 bonus points for each new city. It's kind of (laughs) like the original Pokemon Go. It's funny uh, because we were in Rome uh, before
0: the shutdown. (laughs) Um, and, and, And my husband hadn't been to Rome in like 13 years and so he was mostly excited for the freaking Invader collection he was going to accumulate.
1: But it's such a fun way to see the <laughs> no, city for sure. for because you become an observer because we're afraid to get lost now and we all depend on our phones. So I always teach people how to use the plan de Paris, the like paper physical map, map which is how I learned Me Paris too. when I studied abroad. And that's where I show people the bus stops and the maps on the back and the self-cleaning toilets. There's the map on the side. <laughs> um, but I love maps as a way of getting around. But I think we. We work so much by set itineraries that some for some people I kind of shake them up and be like, okay, it's going to be an adventure. You just have to trust me. Um, and know. Invaders, it's an interesting addition to that kind of
0: shakeup. Yeah, because it, you're, you're looking
1: for something. So I like to encourage people to look for whatever their interest is. And it can be super random. It doesn't have to be something that on Instagram everybody is trending or something no, no, like that. No, no, for
0: sure. But it's it's um I think it's a very unique uh, playful way to go discover. So you're you're one yes. of uh, like at least eight people I know that are really into it, and I think it's yeah. really it's really cool. Um, what are some of the things? Because you know you you obviously over the years been in contact with travelers either online in person you know on every and on every platform imaginable. What are some of the things you wish more travelers would remember about visiting Paris?
1: Um. I want them to, like, remember the mundane moments. <laughs> and so that's why Paris is so good for sitting at a cafe and people watching. And, you know, I restarted after years using a paper notebook and pen when I travel. So I encourage people to kind of write down thoughts and sketch little doodles or make a scrapbook. I encourage doing it while you're in the place instead of afterwards. Right. You don't remember. Because that never happens. That's like a writer trying to recall everything
0: that they just, you know, experienced five hours later. Yeah. It just doesn't... You're not in that. You don't have the color. You don't have the detail.
1: So... And I think Paris, it's so easy to go, 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 go. Yes. And we need to remind ourselves to slow down. And right now is a time in the world where we're all being forced to slow down and we can reflect. And so I think just kind of capturing that moment, even if it's uncomfortable, but, you know, it might be a funny travel story, um, you know, about the person you met or something like that. So, yeah, I think it's also just... I think right now it's really easy and tempting to go celebrate and try all the new places, and mm. we need to support those businesses. But also, those quintessentially French places like support their business, not just taking a picture, but like maybe buy something or food souvenirs are super great. Um, yeah, it's. Um, we've been here so long, we've seen the way people's
0: approach to travel and experiencing Paris has changed. And I do think that. I was getting very frustrated not all that long ago by people who were just sort of like, you know, going around because they had a list of photos they wanted to prove they had taken to. Well, they wanted to take to prove that they had been there, you know, and that sort of like a checkbox travel really bothers me.
1: No. And so for me, it's a constant challenge to figure out like how to travel in a deeper, more meaningful way. And so with my tours, I've also like morph them to also offer like a longer in-depth like coaching day. So kind of m- mixes my creativity coaching and travel because I love the idea of being out in the world and exploring because it's so easy just to be behind your computer all the time. And when we walk, like neuroscience neuroscience points to synapses connecting in our brain and new ideas. And so just like the art of walking in Paris um, and being okay with getting lost and moving around. But I don't know. I I love just walking and talking with people with like no destination. And I joke, it's like a Steve Jobs walking meeting (laughs) because that's how he would have his meetings, just like walking and moving um, instead of having to be formal. So I encourage people to use travel in Paris or elsewhere just as a way to try something new or get a little bit outside of their comfort zone um, and be open to doing that. Well, because you're
0: often out and about in Paris, um, I did want to ask you sort of a, a quick fire round of Some of your favorite places that you've either recently discovered or, you know, rediscovered um, that you'd encourage people to check out on their next visit.
1: So there are new places I like a lot, too. So They don't have to be new, necessarily. No, no, no I'm but saying, my first one is a new one. Okay. It's Farfelu, which oh, is a yes. new coffee shop yep. on the 18th. So Lindsay and I first met each other at the American University of Paris. And Lacey, who opened this coffee shop, is also from AUP. Um, and it's just really great and local. Dan, who does the bread, it's delicious. Also, aup and her friend Jenny does pastry. So... It's just a fun, local place to hang out. And right near it, this week, they've been filming a movie called Adieu, Monsieur Hoffman, which I first learned about from Oliver G. Whose podcast is Earful Earful Tower. Tower. And so they converted, like, two streets in Paris into 1940s Paris. And, like, you can walk on it. So right before I came here, I saw them filming with figurants, the extras all dressed like the 1940s and cool. cars. And so seeing a city transform. So I'm always looking at Paris in terms of like typography and lettering and this whole area has been transformed. So that happened to be right there. Um, a new place, well, it's, it's new to me that I haven't been to, but our friend Amy, a fed by a Frenchman, mm-hmm. went recently, the Tempograph Sardon. Yes. And the 20th. Yes. It's this like sub- subversive rubber stamp store. And I first learned about ah. it from Vera Maratin, who did Paris versus New York. And so I just think it's so cool that there are these rubber stamps with funny sayings. So I want to go there. And then the other crazy wild thing that I went to was the Rex is the largest cinema in, yep. in Europe. And so every year for a children's movie, like a Disney movie, they have a water fountain show. What? Yeah. So I went with a five-year-old and a (laughs) three-year-old to see Frozen 2. So I saw it in French, (laughs) Frozen 2. And um, it's really cool. And there's a laser show and bubbles. And so they do it a a couple times. In the actual? In the actual theater like the room you're seeing a yes. movie in it comes out there's a out. pre-show with fountain i guess sorry pre-show okay. but it's there's a laser with it so it's it not like time to specific moment no, there's moments. jumping fountains and so yeah so wow. kind of being, embracing being a big kid so also
0: the rex is apparently a nightclub too you can go yeah at, i'm not cool well enough to have no i'm just that saying part. i have uh, yes. friends that go there sometimes yeah yeah
1: but yeah the rex is a beautiful cinema sit downstairs the chairs are cushier and it's oh. kind of it's like old retro it's you know they don't make cinemas like they used to
0: do so. they show many uh, V.O. films? No, so yeah, most of the, the movies
1: are v- V.F. Um,
0: version uh,
1: so the French version. But you know, I've seen Frozen two in French and English now. So you know,
0: you're a pro. You know yep. the whole story. My
1: cinema pass goes far. It's great.
0: That's the other thing. People who are staying here for extended periods of time you know, a whole summer, or maybe even they're here for a year, um, should consider getting a cinema pass, because if you really do like going to the movies...
1: I mean, it's the best 20 euros I spend every month. Unlimited movies, at for me, I've UGC MKADU, so I can see any movie there. And um, I see, <laughs> in the summer, I'm like, I'm hot, I just want to go inside, and so I'll see whatever's playing next. And if it's a bad movie, like, it's no loss to you. But it helps my French a lot. In a foreign film, you read the French subtitles, so... Well, I'm going to include all of these places in the show notes
0: so that people can discover Farfelu and the, the rubber stamp shop and the, the Rex. Um, any cl- any closing words for people who are
1: thinking about coming to Paris in the next handful of months? Um, I guess we have to stay tuned to see what's happening in the world. Um. But I would just encourage you to be open-minded that things change. We were used to it with the strikes, the transit strike for 46 days, the protest. Paris keeps you on your toes, so just be like open to it an adventure. And I just want to remind everybody to pick up your book, The New Yen. <laughs> Lindsay did not ask me to say this, but it's so it's so cool to, like, I know on Stories recently you shared that how eye-opening the experience was uh, for it changed you to... everything, yeah. And you go into a project, like, meeting these people and having these interactions, but then when it really shapes you. And so, for me, it's so exciting to learn about a city that I've lived for over 10 years through somebody else's eyes. And so I'm like, I'm excited to go discover a lot of those people and places. So thank you for your work. I promise I didn't ask her to- do that, but it's very kind of her. I believe in shine theory, which is like when you shine, I shine, like we all shine. So it's like we gotta, especially in these weird times, we have to like keep pushing Band everybody together. So. Well, Anne can be found in a whole number of places. Navigate Paris
0: is her website, which will also be linked in the show notes. But you can also find her at Prete Voyager on Instagram and Twitter. And Prettavoyager.com or has it moved? Yes, to it's Prettavoyager.com. And, and, dot com. and yes Ditmeyer.com. All of that will be linked and you can find all old episodes of the new Paris podcast wherever you stream your shows and on World Radio Paris. Do subscribe and share with a friend and stay tuned for more. A bientôt.